when I was uh, eight or nine years old, um, around there, my dad, we had a little teeny fishing boat, a little like three-row steel fishing boat um, that we would go fishing up to Lake Cascade. And, and I remember doing that all the time, and I love it, and I can remember just some really, really great, I have great memories. In fact, I remember distinctively, like, being, like, I wasn't old enough to kind of do all this stuff to tie in the line, and I remember my, my dad and my older brother always helping me tie my line, and then me pulling in all the fish while they were trying to figure out how to do theirs, and I remember just thinking, like, wow, this is awesome. I get to catch all the fish, and they just make it easier for me. But if you've ever, if you've ever been at Cascade Lake, um, there's, storms would come in there sometimes and, and out of nowhere, and and being eight or nine, I'm pretty sure that the storm, you know, in my mind, I remember this storm, there was probably like eight foot waves, and it was really, really intense and scary, but there were probably two or three foot swells. But I remember, I remember specifically that this happened, and I, it was almost like my dad saw it, we were kind of in the middle of Lake Cascade, and he saw it coming, he's like, we need to, we need to go. And we had set in motion to kind of stay overnight there and not just fish and leave, so we'd fish and then stay over to the camp out and then come back the next day. It was really good memories. And the storm came, and I remember actually, you know, there's the little three benches, and it's my brother, my dad, or my, my brother, me, and my dad. And I remember actually at one point I was so scared that I wasn't sitting on the bench anymore, but I was like down in the bottom of the boat, like kind of like gripping because it felt like this boat was just going to go out of nowhere. And I remember looking back at my dad's face, and you always, you always remember kind of the strangest moments and pictures of faces of someone. And I remember seeing in my dad's eyes, not, not like we're doomed look, but he didn't seem all that confident in it. And I remember like looking at him going, this is my dad, <laughs> like, like he did. And we, you know, he got us right to the side of the shore and I remember we just, we just zipped in and he, we like, quick, get the tent out. We put the tent in place and, and I remember sitting in the tent and it just started hailing really, really hard. And I kind of put my hand against the tent and a piece of hail hit this finger and I was like, ow, that really hurt. And my dad laughed at me and that was the end of the storm. And, and, and at the end of that, we, we kind of, it, it went away and I remember in that moment, being so afraid, being so afraid because I felt so out of control and didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I, an eight-year-old mind, I probably was thinking, we're going to starve and die out here. You know, the storm was gone in 15 minutes, you know, whatever it may have been. But, but I remember being so, so afraid. And see, if we're honest with ourselves, that most of us, we create or we see or we experience storms in life. We've, we've all been a part of a storm where we have a wedding plan and it's cloudy and it starts raining and you're like, oh, I just wish it would have been happened. So we have storms like that that are nuisance in our lives. But then we have storms that, that, that will drastically change and ruin and destroy kind of our reality in that moment. Both not just the physical storm that comes in the summer rains or in the middle of winter, but I'm talking like the storms in your life where you really, really realize there's a lot of fear, and how am I going to get through this, and how, how am I going to see the other side? What if, what if I don't make it through? What if the storm destroys this part? And there are relational storms, there are emotional storms, there are spiritual storms. We have all kinds of storms in our lives, and I think that if we're really, really honest with ourselves, that, that these, these storms bring about immense fear. They bring just fear, and, and you can't help but shake it. You, you want to you make it through, but really the unknown or, or just the, the turmoil of it makes you just, you just, you're just afraid. And so, so what do we do with storms in our life? What do we do with the fact that sooner or later something is going to come along and it's going to disrupt our life? What do we do with that? How do, we, how do we move forward in a way that actually honors God, 
and, and actually do, do something where, where the end of the storm, and this is what I loved about that part in Cascade, is at the end of the storm I came out and we were, we, you know, it's like the calm after the storm. You, you, you're almost in a moment, you're like, wow, that's, I remember thinking that storm was so big and I was so out of control, but look at how beautiful it is now. Look at how, how out of nowhere, like it was chaos and then just boom, stillness. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 8. Um, we've been ripping through that and we're in, we're in the story, obviously, of Jesus calming the storm. And, and, and this, is, this is a really unique text and I think the way that I've, yeah, if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. I think the way that I've always read this story is that Jesus will take the storms from your life. Jesus will, will, will make that perfect and he'll, he'll, he'll calm the waters in your life. And I think what I've realized is, is if you're any, any older than 10 years old in here, you've also realized that, that that doesn't always happen. In fact, some of you right now, you're in the middle of this storm and it is just whipping around you. And you, you barely have a foot on the ground and you don't know if it's gonna, if it's gonna overtake you. Some of you, you're, 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 in the, you're, you're sinking. You cannot keep your head above water. And so if, if this text is just that Jesus will calm the storms, well, then, then, then Jesus is failing. He's failing me. He's failing you. He's failing everyone. And so most of us know that whether it's medical or emotional or relational or spiritual or something, that there are storms in our lives that Jesus doesn't just snap his fingers and make disappear. So what do we do with that? And I think this text, understood a little bit differently, is, is probably maybe the way it was intended to be understood the whole time. Not that he's just going to make our life easy. He, in fact, he just told us last week when we were in the text that following him is really, really, really difficult. In fact, it's, 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 it's almost impossible without his spirit living inside It is impossible without his spirit living inside of you. And so it shouldn't surprise us that life is hard, but how do we navigate life with these storms coming without being just sunken by our fear. And I think that's what Jesus gets at in this story. And so if you look back, he had just told these disciples after the Sermon on the Mount, he came down, he's like, we're gonna, let's head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's actually just off of this, this is a town called Capernaum. It's just off that. It's about 13 miles long and eight miles wide. The Sea of Galilee, honestly, when I went there, I kind of went, wow, it looks like a big lucky peak. That's, that's, so you guys know, that's kind of what, it, to present day, what it looks like. Um, and, and the Sea of Galilee, I've been there. And so he said, at this point, he was planning on, on jumping in a boat and heading across. Now, the boats in that day would have been very small. But one to fit all the disciples, all of his disciples, would have had to have been fairly large, probably 21 feet in length. Still pretty rickety. They don't build them out of steel. They were, they were really kind of old, old, old boats. And, and so they, they had just told him, hey, we're going to head to the other side of this this, this, this the sea right here, and that's when a couple of those disciples or the scribe and that one disciple came up to him and asked him, like, I'll follow you anywhere. And he kind of tells him, like, okay, well, to follow me, it's going to be really difficult. And then they jump in the boat. And so I think you can argue, you can argue the text that, again, this is something that we can read into a little bit, but I think you can make the argument that Jesus knew this storm was coming. And, and I, I say that because we know that he's both fully God and fully man. And in fact, we get to a section in this story alone where I feel like both of those are present in a really unique way that we'll never really fully understand. But, but again, he, he, I think he knew that this storm was coming. So he jumps in the boat because it's, it's like right when they're in the boat, behold, a storm comes. And now the storms come and, they, and, and that happens. And, and again, it shouldn't shock us that a storm will come because again, he just said, 
what can you expect about following me? So let's look at the text and let's um, dig in and see what that means for us here. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, and right then, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And so what's interesting about, there's, there's so many unique things about this text. First off um, is, the, is the fact that the storm came out of nowhere. Both the Gospels of Mark and Luke um, say it a little bit differently. There, some scholars say that possibly there was some kind of um, spiritual force behind this storm. But either way, there's, there's these, these cliffs that come where, where come into, the, into uh, the Sea of Galilee where storms would and still to this day come in and they'll just come out of nowhere. The, the storms can come in and take it. Whether it was spiritual or not, some people say it's spiritual because they see right after this he heads to the other side and he meets the, the two demon-possessed people. But either way, the storm shows up out of nowhere. And what's really intriguing about this is that, is that most of these disciples were, were born and around and lived around this area and were fishermen. They have been on this water. They know their boats. They've, they've navigated all, all their lives. And so picture my dad and I in the boat. My dad was obviously a lot more confident in the boat, and he spent more time on the boat. I was scared out of my mind. These are men that, that know fishing. They know this sea. They spent hours and hours and days and slept. They, they know this sea. For them to be afraid of this storm, it has to be a really, really, really scary storm. It has to be something that, that, is, that is really, really difficult. In fact, it has to be really, really scary because of the fact that they probably tried absolutely everything they could to keep the boat from sinking before they woke Jesus. So these guys, they know the boats, they know fishing, and they probably tried really, really hard to save everything before they turned to Jesus. A little side note for you and I, I think sometimes in our storms, we try everything on our own first before we ever come to Jesus. We think, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then we realize we're sinking. It's like, I don't know what to do. And now don't forget that they just saw Jesus touch a leper and heal him in the spot. They saw him just say the word to a centurion slave and, and, and healed instantly. They saw miraculous things. They just spent time hearing him teach in a way that no one had ever taught before. And they marveled. And here is this boat being taken over by the water, swamped in, and Jesus is, is sleeping in it. Um, I find that slightly humorous. I don't know why, but, but I, don't, I don't know how you'd sleep in a little rickety old boat with maybe like your, your cloak or something for your pillow. And he's, the waves are coming, the water's coming in, and, and it's splashing, it's crazy, and he's dead asleep. And what I, what I love about that is that we get to see kind of two aspects of Jesus right there, both the human side of Jesus and the divine. And what I mean by that is, is that the human side is, is that he's tired. We see in the Gospels over and over again where there are moments where he's exhausted, and he's just, he just needs to sleep. Now, we know that at any moment, Jesus could have pulled out his, his divine power and done whatever he wanted, but he, he chose to subside it at, to bring glory to God. He chose to live in this way and keep it at bay at times. And so at this point, he's asleep. And the little boat, the 21-footish boat, is, is rickety old wood. Is, water's coming in, and it's a lot of wind. I'm assuming it's pretty noisy. And I, I, I can sleep really really well. Like, I can sleep really deep. My parents will attest to that. Um, um, I'm not Jesus, just so you know, when I tell this story, just so you, in case you guys are wondering. But uh, when I was in my teenage years, I had this um, problem where 
I would set my alarm in the basement, and I, my sister would wake up to it upstairs, and she'd have to come downstairs and shake me and yell to wake me up. Um, I slept really, really, really hard. I mean, I did. In my teens, I don't know what it was. Like, it was kind of scary, actually. I remember I used to have to defend myself waking up because my brother would, like, hit me to wake me up. So I'd be, like, waking up, like, you know, trying to defend myself. But I remember waking up one morning, and I step out of the bed, and, my, and I get on the ground, and it's like, the floor's wet. I have that moment of panic. Did I pee on the floor in the middle of the night? Like, what, what happened? I'm like, why is the floor wet? And so I go to my mom. I'm like, mom, why is the floor wet? She's like, Brent, I cannot believe you slept through that. I cannot believe you slept through that. I'm like, what happened? A pipe broke in our basement, and we had a whole, like, team of, like, six or seven people with vacuums in the basement, like, <laughs> up, like, here's my bed, and they're, like, like, keeping the water, so it's just a dry spot around my bed, and I slept through the entire thing. I mean the entire thing. So I know what it's like to be tired and sleep. I don't necessarily understand how Jesus could have slept that, but the reason why I share that story is because I think there's actually a bigger reason why Jesus could be sleeping in the middle of the storm. See, when I was 15, 16 years old, I didn't ever wake up in the middle of the night to a noise. I didn't wake up to a storm. That was like, I, I had absolute 100% confidence that as I was sleeping in my bed, I was perfectly safe and there was nothing to worry about. In fact, the same father that I said, well, I didn't see as much confidence on the lake is the same father I had complete confidence that I could sleep and nothing's going to happen to me while I'm sleeping because everything's good to go. And I know that because as I get older now and I have children of my own, I'm still a pretty deep sleeper. My wife would say that. Um, <laughs> but I do wake up every now and then. And, and see, I think what happened in the storm is, is although Jesus was very human and very tired, I think he was also absolutely 100% confident in who God was and is. He had no fear. I wonder how this story would read, have read differently if they didn't wake him up. See, because if they didn't wake him up, would the, would the boat have sank? Would they have all died? Like, and the story ends here. No. See, Jesus knew. He, was, he had every peace. He has, he has absolute confidence in God and who he was and what he was called to do. Absolute confidence in that. And it hit me. What if you and I actually viewed our storms of life with the confidence in God that Jesus had in that situation? It would take a few things. One of the first things it would take, it would take us realizing that we don't have control. We don't have control. You are not in control. God is in control. God is capable. And, and it, it shows in these questions that these guys, the disciples ask of Jesus. I love in, in Mark, it's like, don't you even care is the way the gospel of Mark says it. Here they're saying, we're perishing, we're dying. Don't you even care, Jesus? And I love, Jesus wakes up, which is, I don't know, like back up a little bit, but do you know, like, do you think they drew straws to who was going to wake Jesus up? I always wonder that too. Like, I don't know if you guys read into the story this way, but like sometimes I, I just look at this and I go, okay, here he is, like the boat's, you know, almost capsizing and he's dead asleep. So he's like, is he rolling around or is he kind of tied down so he's not moving back and forth? I mean, did they assume maybe he was dead? I mean, like, what's going on? Hey, Peter, he likes you the most. Come on, buddy. Like, get over here. Do this. I mean, did they have to, like, shake him to wake him up? And, and I read that story as no. And I think that's just another bit of the story that I think is absolutely phenomenal when it comes to our, who our God is and who Jesus is. Is that the disciples turned to him and said, Jesus, wake up. And he instantly woke up. 
instantly woke up. And I think that's a really, really, really great indicator. And maybe you hear nothing else today, that God's ears are inclined to his children. And that when chaos is going on and the world is falling apart around you, you don't have to scream. You don't have to, God, where are you? You just, Jesus, wake up. Jesus, help me. I'm perishing. And he wakes up instantly, and I love this. Like, he wakes up and the boat's shaking. Again, this is me reading into my own story here, guys. You can tell your story the own way. But he's, the boat's shaking, and instead of telling the winds first, he looks at the disciples and he goes, what? You little faith men. He, he, he rebukes his disciples before he takes care of the storm. He looks at them and says, what's wrong with you guys? Oh, do you not believe you of little faith? And he's not, although you could think it, maybe he's just grumpy. He woke up on the wrong side of the boat. And he's just, you know, he's like, what's wrong with you guys? I'm sleeping. That's definitely not it. I, I, I think that he, he woke up and he's not rebuking them because of their fear. He's rebuking them because they don't know who he is. He says, don't, don't you believe in me? This is, this is, this is ridiculous. I, am, I just healed a leper. I just displayed immense power. He's like, don't you, don't you believe? And see, probably the problem for most of us in our storms is that we just don't believe that God's capable of actually doing anything in that storm. We don't believe that at all. In fact, the reason why we don't believe that is because we don't go to him. And when we do go to him, we still try and control and manipulate the situation and say, I will figure out how to make this work, as opposed to just resting easy in our Father's hands, knowing that, look, if I'm going to follow a God, I want to follow a God who can sleep through the storm. I want to follow a God that has so much peace and so much relaxation and so much understanding on who he is and who his Father is that he doesn't even need to wake up. He's like, I don't have to wake up for this. And so he rebukes the disciples. He tells them, look, you guys, you've seen me do crazy things, but yet you still don't believe in who I am. The book of Matthew is, is, has been qualifying Jesus. We talked about that just before um, the healing section. He's been qualified in his, in, his, in his birth, been qualified in prophecy, been qualified in his teaching, qualified in, in all these different ways, and now he's being qualified in power. And we're seeing it through the, the healing he does, and now in the next moment, he looks at the storm and says, shh, be quiet. Stop. And the storm instantly stops. Jesus made a massive declaration in that. See, every single one of those disciples of the, that were born in the Jewish, every single one of them would have known the Psalms that talked about that God is the one who calms the sea and the storms. Every single one, Psalm 89, 104, 105, they would have known those ones, that, that Jesus, that God is capable of calming the storms and the seas. He's the one that stills the winds. And so when Jesus stood up and did that, Disciples step back. And we don't get it as much from this text, but the Gospel of Mark says, and fear, and fear set on them. It's funny, they start with their fear of their own selves, not believing who God is, and then once they finally realize who they're in the boat with, fear overwhelms them. And they realize it's not just some man. It was some Nazarene. It's It's Yahweh. It's God standing in because they knew that the only one that could tell nature what to do was God. They asked the question, who then is this? Stealing the sea 
is such a show-stopping demonstration of power that it brought an unnerving new awareness that they had completely misunderstood Jesus. And see, and that's where I think you and I are. If you're not in a storm right now and it's sunny days, you're like, man, it's a great summer. Don't worry, the storm's coming. And I think where you and I get in trouble is that we misunderstand who Jesus is. And this isn't about him taking the storm from us. This isn't even about, like, the, the calming the storm was the moment at which this is, this is about the question he poses to the disciples right before he does it. He says to them, he says, why, why are you afraid? Why? You know, fear just shows your lack of trust in God. Your fear, and it's, it's, he's, he's not saying that they can't be afraid. He's not even saying it's bad to be afraid. In fact, I'm not like talking about this. There was this big thing in the 90s, like the no fear. You know, they had these big old stickers, like no fear. People would wear shirts as if they had no fear. And I'm not talking like this, this ridiculous. In fact, the proper set was in place at the end with his disciples. Fear was instilled in them again. Not at their circumstances, but oh my word, this is a holy God that I don't understand. I'm not worthy to be even near this person. Yet he is relationally engaged with me. And so maybe you're in a storm, maybe not. But sometimes I know it can be really, really, really hard to remember how powerful and marvelous our God is in the midst of turmoil in our life. And maybe all you need to hear today is just that you need your faith increased. The disciples knew that. We see it, we see it in Luke 17, 5. They say, Jesus, increase our faith. Help us have more faith. Our faith needs to be strengthened day after day, moment after moment. And here's the crazy thing, and this, is, this may seem a little sadistic for us, but if you've ever been in a storm, and I'm not talking about the one I was in Cascade, I'm talking the storm of life. Your marriage is falling apart, relationships are falling apart, you're doubting God, you're, you're not even sure where it's going, you've you're, you're got a kid that's wayward. Like this. I'm talking like a, a really, really, really hard storm. That on the flip side, whether it was personal or someone else, on the flip side, when the storm kind of settles and things kind of reorient or, or Jesus redeems that situation, is it not amazing how much better it is on the flip side of that storm? Like it's, it's, it's incredible. Your, your faith is so much stronger. Your trust is so much deeper. See, I think God uses the storms. I know God uses his storms in our lives to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. So maybe, uh, I, my, my friend Jacob, he's a pastor, he, he wrote about this text. He said, and I love this, I'm just gonna read it because it's a great thing he said to me. He said, Jesus never promised to calm all storms, but he did promise that he could. Jesus just spent time performing all these miracles, the three we had just seen. And if anyone was going to care for the disciples, it was going to be Jesus. He wasn't rebuking them for not having faith that he would calm the storm. He was rebuking them for not having faith in who he was. See, and I think that's the issue with all of our storms. You and I are not capable of sleeping through the storms because we're not confident in who God is in our life and who he says we are to him. So instead, we start controlling and running and trying to get busy. And, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes the storm you're in, it takes work. And God is asking you to do the work to get through this. 
But it's never in place if you're surrendered to who he is and what he is capable of doing. The book of Matthew talks about Jesus' authority and his kingdom. This chapter really is dealing essentially with his power. What, what he has in authority over his kingdom. We've seen it in his healing. We're going to see it over demons. We're going to see it over sickness. We're going to see it over, over sin. And then we're even going to see it over death. And we see it here over nature. Jesus has all authority. He's telling them to believe that. You can't be promised that he will calm the storms in our lives. But we can be assured that he is capable. And he is there. And that he does care. I think maybe the big takeaway from this story isn't, isn't that we've been saying, I think we've been asking the wrong questions. We ask questions like, will I make it through this? Is it, when's it going to end? How, how long do I have to do this? We ask kind of whiny questions. And really the question is, is maybe better just saying, Jesus, will you just be here through this with me? Will you just be present with this? Can I just, can I just feel your presence so that a peace that makes absolutely no sense, a peace that, that would allow our God to be asleep in a boat that's capsizing and sinking, will you allow that peace to take presence in my heart? Would you remind me again of who you are and the power you have and that without you I am absolutely nothing? I think the best question isn't, isn't isn't when or, or do I have to or, or any of those things. I think the storms are going to happen. Jesus promises it. Life is going to happen. It's going to be hard. You don't fit in in this world. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you do not fit in here. It's going to be hard. Your body is going to deteriorate. Your friendships are going to get hurt. Your relationships are going to struggle. You're going to doubt. Things are going to be broken because of choices and sin that you make and choices and sin that other people do, and it's just going to mess up. And so the question isn't, God, keep me from any storm at all. It's, God, make me more like your son Jesus through this storm because I know that I don't belong here. I know that, that I'm not meant for this world. I'm meant for your kingdom now, and therefore that's all I want to be a part of. Some of you, your storm has been years, years and years and years and years. You guys have been dealing with the storm. I think you need to know that whether he calms the storm or not, Jesus' way is the best way. We have to trust that he can do whatever he wants to and that our, that's, that our security and our happiness and our, our way is not what we want. We want his way. And so maybe you get to be in a storm for the rest of your life, but then I would just ask this question, are you secure in who Jesus is then? Are you confident in who he is? Because the book of Matthew, he's been, he's been laying it out before us over and over and over again. Look, here's the knowledge, here's, here's the prophecies, here's all the reasons why it makes sense. Here's all the reasons why he is rightfully king and Lord and Savior. Are you secure in that? That no matter what happens in your life, no matter how terrible things get, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And my assumption is that probably most of you can say, like, maybe through gritted teeth, yeah, I believe that. But you know where we get disconnected? You know where we get disconnected? It's back in that boat. We get disconnected in the fact that we don't believe that we are who he says we are.
We're confident, oh, you know, Jesus, he can do it. He's got all this power and all these other things. Yet the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that allowed him to calm the storms is the Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of me when I surrender to him. So then I am who God says I am. And so you can sleep in a storm. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about running from problems. But you can have this peace when the storm comes because you know that ultimately the storm has no control over your life. God has all control. You know that, that no matter what, you are his adopted child and therefore there is no one that can take you out of that. There is nothing that will rip that from you. And you can have all confidence in, I'm, I'm, God's my daddy. I can sleep in this boat because I know the storm's gonna come and ultimately I'm in his hands. He's in control. God is good. And I am his child. See, he's capable to remove the storms in our life. And I think this is what we struggle with. Because he is, he's, he's capable. He can, at a snap of his fingers, he calms a storm. The question then is, if he's capable and he doesn't calm the storm, doesn't intervene, do you still believe that he's loving and that he's present? See, my assumption is, if you want to know if you believe that, look at the storm in your life and see how much fear there is. See how much control there is. Those are really good barometers to recognizing how surrendered you are to him and his ways. And sometimes, Jesus may have to look at you and say, why are you afraid? You have little faith. He doesn't say no faith. He just says, you don't believe in me. He says, you, ah. Oh. Why? You guys, what's wrong? Like, no, little faith, come on. And he may be saying that to you right now, in the middle of this storm. And all you're focusing on is, Jesus, just take the storm away, take the storm away, take the storm away. He says, stop looking at the stinking storm and look at me. Fix your eyes on me. You know, the peace that makes no sense, it comes from fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ. Us truly being free from controlling the situation means that we surrender our entire life, every aspect of it, to Jesus Christ. He may not take the storm, but when you come out on the other side of the storm, you'll realize how big and powerful God is and what he's doing to make you more like Jesus. If you'll just let him be king in your life, surrender, let him take you through that storm. You don't even have to grip the sides. You can actually somehow miraculously be full asleep in the hole of the boat and be perfectly safe in our God's hands. The band's gonna come up and I'm gonna pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the storms in our life. And in a room this size, I am absolutely confident that there is a various amount of storms going on. Some small, uh, some in the distance, some incredibly massive storms. Yeah, there's probably even storms that, that people know are there, but they just keep shutting the door on them, hoping they would go away. And Father, I just pray that we would just, uh, we would just maybe turn ourselves towards the storm, knowing that we can stand confidently in any storm with you as our king, with you as our Lord. God, that we, would, that we would actually surrender ourselves to your work and your will, and we would trust who you are, 
not just who you say you are, but that we'd actually truly trust who you are. And out of that trust, it would mean something completely different about who we are. I can't help but think that in my own life, God, how much less fear I would have if I would just truly trust you in all circumstances. You are a good God. You are a gracious God. You, you, you exposed me to that when you lovingly sent your son on the cross for me in my place. God, may we never lose sight of just how good you are, how powerful you are, and how capable you are. God, for those that are in storms that have just been a really, really long time, God, your ears are open to us. And so I pray, God, that you would, you would, you would bring some, some settled winds, that the ground would shake maybe just a little less, not for their sake, but for, but for your glory. That whoever's in these storms, whoever's going through the storms, whether it's marriage or relational or, or they're just doubting you, God, that you would just bring a new breeze in. Showing of your life, showing of your, your, your beauty, your redemption. Not to relieve us of the pain, but to bring us to full surrender and trust of you, God. And God, I pray for those in the room that continually white-knuckle the storms, thinking that they can do it, and they're doing it without you. God, I pray that you would just remind them, either gently or rebuke them boldly or wreck their hearts that they are incapable of facing any storm without you. We are useless in the storm. I love this picture because one thing we know, when a big storm comes in, when winds come and rain comes, there's nothing we can do to stop it. There is nothing, there is nothing that we can do to manipulate or control it. We can run and hide from it, we can try and find shelter from it, but ultimately we're just be sitting at your feet. Walking with you hand in hand, knowing that you are in control. A bird does not fall from the sky that you do not know about. And I know that me and those in the room, your children are so much more valuable to you than that bird. So God, may we just live in that. May we move in that. May our prayers show that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.